Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Jesus said this. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. He said, be of good cheer. Say it with me. For I have overcome the world. Isn't that good to know? Praise the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, I already won. Amen. Now you got to believe that. You got to believe that. I already won. Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning, church. If you have your Bibles, join me in Ephesians chapter 6 again this morning. We introduced the theme last week, and I want to continue with that uh, this morning. Uh, the very last thing we had said last Sunday morning, if you remember, was this. We walked out the door, and we said this emphatically. We said this as boldly as we could. Look at the, look at the screen. I will be strong. Say it with me. I will be strong. I will be strong. So let me ask you, how did that go for you this week? Good. I'm glad to hear that. So, were you able to see the hand of God in your life this week? Did you see God work in your life this week? How many say, yes, I, I've seen God work in my life this week? Wonderful. That's great. Uh, was anybody able to maybe journal or write down uh, uh, maybe a victory or a way in which you, you just seen, you know, God show up for you? And, uh, man, you're just so excited about it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this week you had a challenge, you know? Maybe some of us struggled with something right? Uh, let me ask you this. Did it occur to you that to be strong, you need to have staying power? Ooh. Let me say that again. Did it occur to you that in order to be strong in the Lord, you need to have what we call staying power? You say, preacher? Go ahead and say, say preacher. preacher. What's staying power? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Let, let's talk just for a moment about staying power. If I were to give you a definition for staying power, here it is. You ready? It's the ability to maintain a commitment despite, the, despite discouragement or fatigue. I'll leave that up there just for a moment, guys. Staying power. In order to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, we must have staying power. And staying power is the ability to maintain a commitment despite discouragement and fatigue. Right? You see that? Amen? How many of you agree? Amen. Uh, we noticed this last week. We didn't get that far, but we took notice that uh, verse number 10 is followed up by verse number 11. Right? Look at verse 11 of Ephesians chapter number 6. And Paul says there, put on the whole armor of God. So here's the idea. Now, now gra gravitate to this with, grab a hold of this with me if you would. Uh, in order to be strong in the Lord, we need to have staying power. And the way, we, the, way, the way God has provided the staying power for us is by giving us what is called the armor of God. 
right? And so if you and I are going to maintain this strength in the Lord, Paul is kind of encouraging, in fact, commanding you and I to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God is God's enablement for you and I to be strong in the Lord, right? And not just for an hour and not just for a day, but to have some longevity, right? Look here, success is not built because you had one good day or because you made one good decision. Success is built a series of good decisions, right? And continued good days, better days than bad days. And we can have that. We can be what God wants us to be because he's, he's given us the enablement to do that. And I'm so glad he has, aren't you? Uh, let me take you back just for a moment to what we talked about last week. We, we noticed the potential of becoming discouraged somewhere in between last week. Do you remember that? You know, we talked about that. We, we, we flashed up on the screen. I don't have it for you this morning, but we flashed up on the screen uh, the starting line of a marathon and how congested it is, right? And I mean to tell you, everybody has, you know, the best intentions, right, Amanda? Amanda's going to run a, a marathon here shortly, soon. Uh, not shortly, not today, but soon. Uh, everybody's got the best intentions. Man, we're going to start, we're going to finish. But then I showed you a picture of the finish line, <laughs> and it wasn't as congested, was it? And that's because somewhere in between, we talked about this, somewhere in between, we hit a wall, you know? And that's not true, that's not just true of marathons, that's true in life. You know, we, we, we get started doing things. I often talk about this. We talk about this, this flash in a pan kind of Christianity. You know what that is? Flash in the pan. I mean, you know, you come, you come in, you, you get stoked up, you get energized. It's the beginning of a new year. Pastor gets up and he's laying out this theme and gives some vision. We make a pledge at the end of a service. I mean, you're stoked. But how long does that last? What's the carryover? And I've seen this happen, and so have you, that somewhere in the middle between, you know, when we start and when we're supposed to finish, somewhere in the middle we get discouraged. And we looked at Nehemiah last, last week, chapter number four, and we highlighted some of the things that caused the Israelites to get discouraged. And here's what we noted. They just simply got, they simply got tired. Did you ever just get tired? Huh? You know, you just get wearied. I don't mean you get tired of it, <laughs> you know, because sometimes we get tired of it. Say amen right there. Yeah. But I just talk about we get weary. You know, we used the, last week we used the word fatigue, you know, and, and here's what happens if you're not aware that when you get that tired, when you get fatigued, things that usually don't bother you, bother you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Come on now. Yeah. Huh? And we noticed this last week in the discussion. You notice how the Israelites got to building the wall and they got half, they got half the wall built right in the middle. They started to get fatigued and began to complain. Look at all the rubble. Look at all the rebar. Look at all the broken concrete. Hello? Somewhere in the middle, they got, you know, the things that, the rubble, look here, the rubble was there when they began building the wall. The rebar was in the streets when they began. It didn't bother them then, but now they're fatigued. Now they're wearied. (laughs) Are you with me? And now uh, there's just this frustration sets in. 
You know, things that didn't bother him is bothering him, and it has a way, pay attention right here, it has a way of affecting, influencing our attitude. And now their attitude changed, and it went from, man, let's get this job done, to this. Here's what they said, we're never going to be able to build this wall. See the difference? And as a result of the attitude change, their focus changed, and now they're looking at all the wrong things, and they're discouraged. They're discouraged, right? And that's not just true of the Israelites in the Old Testament or the disciples in the New Testament. It's true of you and I today. That same things occur. You know, we get tired. Life is busy, and we get wearied. And before long, that weariness becomes fatigue, and we start to get frustrated. And that frustration affects our attitude, and now our focus is off, and we're discouraged. We're discouraged. So the question is this. The question is, uh, how do we overcome how do we overcome? And what you find here in, in chapter number 6, uh, as we begin to read down verse 11 through 18 this morning, is a roadmap to victory. Amen. I like roadmaps. A lot of times I'll counsel with folks and I'll sit, sit in the counseling and listen and listen. And then as I'm listening, I'm thinking and I'm praying, God, give me, give me something for these folks. And then I usually conclude our first session of counseling with this. Now, here, now give, me, give me a little bit of time to pray and I'm going to develop for you a roadmap. This is where we are. This is where we want to get to. And this is how we're going to get there. Right? Paul gives us a roadmap on how you and I can live victoriously, and that's all, I mean, we all want that, correct? You know, I want to be a, I want to live the, the victorious Christian life. And so let's do this. Let's, let's just work down through this text this morning, and let's break it down so we have, we have a clear understanding so that as we leave this building this morning, we can apply this truth to our life. The last thing I want to say this morning, I promise you, will be something like this. I trust this message not only inspires you, but changes you. If all we get is inspired, it's not going to last long. May the inspiration from the message this morning lead us to a place where we apply this truth, and it literally changes our life. It can. It can if you'll let it. Amen? Notice with me verse number 11, and I want, I, want to highlight, I want to highlight how Paul speaks to us about the adversary. He said, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil. The devil. Now, wait a second, preacher. It's 2023. We're in the 21st century. We're still talking about the devil. I mean, didn't that die out back in the 70s or 80s? I mean, haven't we advanced, right? I mean, can't we call him something other than the devil? Well, all I can tell you is this. The Bible hasn't changed. And in the Bible, over and over, we're reminded that we have an adversary. And because the Lord doesn't want us to be ignorant, he, he names him for us. And he is called, say it with me, the devil, the devil, our adversary. And, uh, and I think this, I think what Paul does here is he's reminding us of the spiritual connection to our discouragement, the spiritual connection to our discouragement. And, 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 and what he's talking about here is this, the battles that we face are not physical, but spiritual. When you and I, when we fight one another, we get distracted. 
When we, when we imagine our, our difficulties are all physical, we are getting distracted because they're more spiritual than they are physical. And the reason I say that is because of the very next verse. He says in verse 12, for we wrestle not against, say it with me, class. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Or in other words, we'd say this, our battle isn't with each other. Amen. Say amen right there. Yes. Oh, I know every once in a while, give me a little bit of liberty here. I know every once in a while we get on each other's nerves. Do you know that terminology? You know what that means? We get under each other's skin. We know how to pull each other's chain. Help me here. But Paul says this, don't, 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 allow, don't allow the uh, arch enemy of your soul, don't allow your adversary to hoodwink you to think that your real problem is with your neighbor or your brother or your sister or your wife or your husband or your children or your boss. No, the real battle is spiritual. Look what he said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm in verse 12, but against what? Principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see that? Huh? And so he points out for us the adversary, and what he's saying is this, the focus of our energy should be directed properly. Huh? So if all I'm doing, Donald, is fighting you, well, I'm not focusing my energy in the right place because the battle is more spiritual than it is physical. Does that make sense? Oh, are you with me? I hope you are. So let's, let's be clear here. In verse number 11, he mentions the devil. And folk, look here. He's not talking about some cartoon character. Huh? He's not talking about a tattoo that we get. You know, my dad, bless his heart, he's with the Lord. He got saved late in life. And you know what he did when he was just a young fellow from Philly? On his right leg and on his left leg, right on the side here, he got tattoos. Now, this is back when tattoos were like, you know, no color, no nothing. On this leg, he had a he devil. On this leg, he had a she devil. On this leg, he named that one my brother. And on this leg, he named that one my sister. Look, look, when I talk like that, some of you get so uptight. I'm talking real life here. We're living in the real world. We're living in the real world. Huh? And before my dad met Jesus, he served the devil. But I'm so glad he met Jesus and Jesus changed his life. And he's with the Lord today. Huh? I'm not talking about a cartoon character. I'm not talking about a tattoo. I'm not talking about a figment of our imagination or a description of evil. I'm talking about what the Bible, who the Bible calls an identity. In fact, the Bible calls the devil the leader of the evil spirit world. Are you with me? Yes. And Paul said this, let me remind you. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of your husband. <laughs> of your wife. Of your employer. Now, I know sometimes they appear to be like the devil. But no, he said, you need to be able to be strong enough to stand against the wiles of the devil. And not only, look here, not only is the devil the leader of the evil spirit world, but he's got cohorts, yeah. right? He's got a third, look here, he's got a third of the angelic host who fell with him, some reserved in hell today, but others that freely, willingly serve him. 
And you know what they do? They have authority, pay attention, they have authority to disrupt our lives. They have authority to get in the way. And so every once in a while, when you're trying to do something, especially when you're trying to do something for God, and there's hindrances, don't think it's your spouse. Don't think it's your employer. Recognize the battle is up here. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. Are you listening real good? Do I need to slow it down? You okay? You keeping up? All right. Preach. <laughs> and, so, and so there's power there to make our life. And that's why uh, Peter said this. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter number 5, uh, first, first Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8, he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, who's he called him? The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Huh? That's real. That's real stuff, my friend. And so, Paul immediately begins to talk about you and I recognizing who our adversary is. And you see the words, go back to verse number 11. You see the word wiles of the devil? Can I, can I just lend some commentary to that? The devil is a tactical genius. Did you hear that? He is a tactical genius. Paul said in 2 Corinthians that you and I need to be careful not to be ignorant of his devices. In other words, he's got a plan to, up, to upset your life, to devour, if he could, your finances, to devour, if he could, your family, to devour, if he could, your future. But you know what the Bible says in Malachi chapter number 4? He said, chapter number three, he says, the Lord will rebuke the devourer. Amen. Only the Lord can rebuke the devourer. See, you and I don't have enough strength. We don't have enough power. Our personalities aren't that mm, charismatic in order to go up against him. But the Lord can. Amen. And that's why we must be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the way we do that is by putting on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against this tactical genius named the devil. Are you with me? He goes on in verse number 13, and he talks about that. Look at verse 13. He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, not just bits and pieces, but the whole armor, everything that's been provided, that you may be able to stand or maybe be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And having done all to stand, having done everything, what, what is having done all? Can I tell you what having done all means? Putting on the whole armor of God. You can't do anything more than that. Huh? No, there's no classes that I can teach you on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night how to create, uh, how, how to become cunning and manipulative so that you can pull one over on the devil. That won't work. That won't work. Uh, there's not enough scripture that you can memorize. No, having done all, Tony, having done all means that daily, every day of our lives, we put on the whole armor of God. Having done all to stand. To stand. You see that? And what he's talking about here, I believe, in verses number, uh, verse number uh, 12 and 13 is simply this, that God has given us the authority... Now pay attention right here. God has given us the authority to stand against these, these evil identities. Huh? 
That's what he mentions in verse number 12. These evil identities, right? Uh, principality against power, rulers of darkness, uh, spiritual wickedness. Are you with me? Huh? Uh, God has given us the authority. Pay attention right here. In other places of Scripture, we are encouraged to submit to our authorities. Isn't that right? You go ahead and you read in Romans chapter number 13, you know, where God has ordained authority and let every man be subject to the higher authorities. But here, here we are told to stand against these authorities. You see the difference? Huh? At one point we're to submit to. You ought to submit to your God-given authorities, but here because these are evil identities, we're to stand against them. And he's given us the authority to do that. There's a great passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28. We call it the Great Commission. It's kind of like the Lord's uh, final words to the church, right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, and I'm not going to get into all the details there. But at the basis of that instruction is Jesus saying, all authority is given unto me. Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, I have the authority given me because I am God. I have the authority given me to give you or to transfer to you this authority. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, there's a transferal of authority. Are you with me? And so Paul now says, based upon that transfer of authority, you have the authority to stand against these wicked identities. Boy, I wish, I wish I'd get somebody to say amen right now. Huh? We have the authority. James, we have the authority to stand against this wickedness. Huh? He doesn't have, I don't, look here, I don't have to let him eat my lunch. I don't have to allow him to come in my back door. Because he never comes in the front door. Who are you talking about, preacher? Uh, the evil one and his cohorts. They try to disrupt my life, grab a hold of my mind, and are you with me? Discouraged me. They want to discourage us. I mean, they'll let you start. Go ahead and start anything you want for God as long as you don't finish. Are you with me? You know, I used to tell our teenagers, where was our teen group? I used to tell our teenagers this. I used to tell our teenagers, the devil doesn't have a plan for your life. His only goal is to make sure you don't do what God wants to do for your life. Devil's got no plan for your life. You want to, Donald, you want to be a bank robber? The devil will help you. You want to be, you want to be an, an evil worker? The devil will help you. But don't try to be what God wants you to be because then he's going to work against you. <laughs> but we have the authority given us by the Lord to stand against these evil identities. Amen. I'm so glad, aren't you? Praise the Lord. And that's why, that's why you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. I don't know if I put this verse up. Oh, I did. Look at that verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? What is an ambassador? Yeah, somebody say it nice and loud. A representative, right? So he says this. Paul says to the church in Corinth, you are representatives of Christ. As though God did beseech you or beg you by us, we pray you Look at the words, in Christ's stead. Did you see that? Huh? So we're representatives of Christ. And so, Donald, when the evil one comes our way, we have the authority given us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to stand against him. 
That's why John said this in John 1 John chapter number 2, verse 1. He said this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. That you sin not. But if you sin, right? I mean, it's my desire that you sin not. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation, right? He is the payment for sin for the whole world. Right? Isn't that awesome truth? Jesus Christ. I mean to tell you, we have Jesus on our side praying for us, interceding on our behalf, standing for us. And he gives us the authority to stand against the evil one. Praise the Lord. Huh? And so we've been given authority and enablement to stand against the evil one. However, there is a verse 14 in this text. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins gored about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so, now, now pay attention here. Paul begins to challenge the church in Ephesus to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? He, he says, you have the authority, you have God-given authority to take this stand. However, you must stand fully armed in the armor of God. And so verse 14 down through verse 18, what you find there is our God-given enablement. Now, if I were to take that text as a standalone message, here's what I would say to you. The armor represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Every piece of that armor represents Jesus. And so the bottom line is after I would go through and describe all the armor for you, I would say simply this, what we must do is daily, every day of our lives, arm ourselves with the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Are you with me? Because if you think about it, every piece of it is Jesus. It's Jesus for the head, Jesus for the vitals, Jesus for the feet, huh? Jesus as a shield. The Word of God is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Arm yourself daily with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'll guarantee you this, most of the time we'll find ourselves in trouble as we walk in this world without having on the armor of God. Or when we've not spent good quality time every day before we enter life in arming ourselves. Maybe praying and reading and visualizing the armor and saying, Lord, before I leave out of this house, I give you my mind, my thoughts. Please gird up the loins of my mind so that I I may not be able to prevent, prevent thoughts from getting in, but help me not to entertain them. So that when I get to work and that flirtatious secretary is there. By the way, I don't have one here in our church, thank the Lord. I have a good godly young lady and a godly wife who work in the office together, protects me. But as you go to work and that flirtatious secretary comes in and tries to get your attention, you immediately can identify it instead of entertaining that thought. Are are you with me? Huh? 
before that boss comes in and, and, and hovers over your shoulder and you're a female worker, you know, and he's got that cologne on that just drives you crazy. It's called wild. <laughs> and all your husband smells like is that cologne called HBO. <laughs> HBO, did you get that? B-O, body odor. And he smells so good, huh? And all of a sudden, you got sugar plums dancing in your head of what could be. Come on, man, we're talking real life here. What do you want me to give you, a fairy tale? Mary had a little lamb? Why does... No, we're living in the real world, and men cheat on their wives, and wives cheat on their children, and teenagers violate themselves. And six-year-olds carry guns to school. Hello? Yeah, see, that's what church is all about, Tyler. You come and you get educated for real life. I'm a real-life teacher. Huh? Help me here, church. You know, before, before uh, Eisenhower, General Eisenhower, uh, led the army onto Normandy Beach, he gave him this instruction, or at least he reminded him of this. Listen to these words, and I quote. He said this, General Eisenhower. He said, your task will not be an easy one. He said, your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. Your enemy will fight savagely. That's what Eisenhower, General Eisenhower, told the troops before D-Day. Huh? And what was he doing? I'll tell you what he was doing. He, he, he wanted his troops to understand the grim reality of that battle. Because failure to do so would have created more casualties. I mean, if they had just stormed the beaches not being aware of who it was they're fighting... We'd have lost a whole lot more soldiers. Such is true in our warfare, our spiritual war, this spiritual battle that we're in. And every one of us are in it. You get saved, you're in it. That's just the way it is. And, and, and when it comes to spiritual warfare, we must pre pre prepare ourselves because our adversary is a worthy opponent. Amen. Huh? And I hate to say this, but man, he's making progress. He really is. His days are numbered. There's coming a day when, look here, one angel with one chain binds him for a thousand years. Did you ever read your Bible? Book of Revelation? One angel, one chain, the devil's bound for a thousand years, and we have the 1,000-year millennium here on earth where we have wonderful fellowship with God, no sin, no, until he's let loose for that short season. Huh? There's coming today. Until then, now pay attention, we need staying power. Yeah. We need staying power. Steve, you know, you're a businessman, you're a CPA, you understand staying power. When people start a business, you don't start a business knowing that next week, if I don't make enough money, I'm out of business. No, you, 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 you start a business with staying. You got money in reserve that you're going to have to rely on until your business gets up and goes, well, we need to have staying power if we're going to be strong in the Lord. And the only way we can do that is by putting on the armor. Look how Paul lists this. Now, I'm not going to go through and give you all these details, but I want to highlight a couple of things for you, okay? Can we do that real quick? And then I'll let you out of here. Uh, Look what he says. First, he, he talks about, I'm in, I'm in verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth. We would call that the belt of truth. Go ahead and flip that. Uh, yeah, there you go. The belt of truth. 
Now, I'm, again, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but a belt, I have a belt on right now. And I'll be honest with you, this belt is holding up my trousers. It really is. I had COVID, I lost a couple of pounds, so my trousers are a little big. This belt is holding up my trousers. Mm, that's not what the Roman soldier would use the belt for. No, the belt was foundational to the Roman soldier because if you can see it, it had leather, it had leather straps hanging and they would put their, their sword in it. So there was a lot of different, you know what the Bible says though? Paul says this, as the belt was foundational to the Roman soldier's wardrobe, so truth is to you and I as a Christian. Everything about, look here, everything about our life has got to begin with truth. We got to build on the foundation of truth. And so, here, here it is. You ready? Hi, my name is Sal, and I'm a liar. Did you ever go to an AA meeting? NA meeting? Come on, half of you have. You know you have. Look at you. You're all shaking up. You know what they tell you? You got to be true. You got to admit who you are. Hi, my name is Sal, and I struggle with red lights. You know, I don't know. What do you struggle with? You've got to get honest with yourself because truth is the only thing that is foundational that will give you staying power. You've got to begin with truth. And then he says this. He talks about, in this text, the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, we're to live out truth. Now that you know truth and have truth, you need to live out truth. That's Righteousness. And basically it's this, it's knowing that we're right with God and knowing that you're right with God gives you confidence to stand. I'm right with God. Hello, if God be for us, who can be against us? Huh? I'm on the Lord's side. (laughs) He's not on my side, I'm on his side. Praise the Lord. The sandals of peace or your feet shod with the preparation of, you know, if you were to study this out, every element of the Romans. And by the way, you know, Paul got this analogy. You know where he was when he got this analogy? He was in prison. And guess who was sitting next to him? A Roman soldier. And guess what that Roman soldier had on? His armor. And they would put, if you study this out, those sandals those Romans wore, they didn't buy them at Walmart. No, man, they were crafted. They were crafted to give these Roman soldiers the ability to uh, travel all day long, tough terrain. And so when the Lord says, your feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace, what he's saying is this, you need to put on the sandals of peace, and if you, if you prepare yourself, you'll not get tripped up. Those shoes will keep you, especially as you preach the gospel. Are you with me? Are you having as good a time as I am? I'm having a blast. Uh, he talks about the shield of faith, and our, our faith shields us from the attacks of the evil one. You know, that temptation, right? That doubt, that discouragement. We need to meet that with our faith. Yeah. It's the only thing that will help. He talks about the helmet of salvation, our mind being under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 4 and 5, we ought to have that memorized. He talks about the weapons of our warfare. He says this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In verse number five, he talks about this, bringing uh, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
Huh? Do you ever, do you ever, Dean, do you ever throughout the course of the day, all of a sudden, man, you get this thought in your mind and you say, uh, it discourages you or it angers you or it frustrates you. And you say, wait a second, wait a second, back it up. Where in the world did that thought go? I was whistling a moment ago. Huh? I was singing, oh, victory in Jesus a moment ago. But now I want to go cut somebody's head off. Now I want to run somebody over with my car. Now I want to tell somebody off. Bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Got to make this stuff practical. Amen? And then he talks about, he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which of course is the Word of God. And every believer needs to be equipped with the Word of God. Don't you agree? We ought to read it. We ought to try to memorize it. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to meditate upon it. We ought to consult it. We ought to rely upon it every day, every day. You know, there are times I was just talking to a dear, 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 dear friend of mine who had sur- was supposed to have surgery on Friday. We prayed for him on Wednesday night. He's in the hospital. He's all worked up. His blood, pre- his blood pressure shot up to 219 over 80. They had to postpone the surgery. So I called. He's in Florida. I called him from here. Got him on the phone. He's in his hospital bed. And he said, Pastor, he said, I'm all worked up. I said, I know you are. I said, but here's what you need to do. You need to start taking some deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Just calm down. And then whatever scripture you can remember, quote it to yourself. I got his wife on the phone right after. I said, you have your phone with you? She said, I do. You have a Bible app? She said, I do. I said, open up that Bible app. I gave her specific verses to turn to. I said, read these out loud in that room. Huh? Why? You got to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. And the word of God helps us to do that. And then finally, look what he says in verse number 18. Praying always, by the way, that's part of the armor. That's part of staying power. Praying always, you see that? With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching, watch, watching thereunto. So you're praying and watching. You got one eye closed and one eye open. Hello? Right? Hey, by the way, you can pray with your eyes open. You know? It's kind of like building and battling. You know what Nehemiah did? Huh? He, the guys had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. As they're building the wall, they're ready to defend. And so as we're praying, we need to be watching. And prayer is simply you and I communicating with the, with the leader, with our commander. Right? Are you with me? Staying power. It's wonderful to say I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, but there's an adversary out there that's going to challenge you every day. And so what we need to make sure we do is have staying power or we need to arm ourselves with the armor of God. Plain and simple. That's the only way to do it. Put on, therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And so as we come to realize that we're in the midst of spiritual warfare, and we are, aren't we? Huh? I mean, just you read the paper? Eh, paper's old school. Do you watch the news? Eh, it's old school. Do you put something in your earbuds and maybe once in a while catch a glimpse of the world we live in? Huh? I'll tell you what you maybe want to do. Here's what you maybe want to do. There, there's a way that you can plug into if, you, if you're computer literate and have a, a mobile phone. Uh, sign up for the Christian Daily News. Christian Daily News. I get it every single day on my phone. And it gives me from a Christian, Christian perspective. Now, it's not always, it's not always <laughs> accurate, you know. But it tells me all that's going on 
from a Christian perspective. And that way here, look here, I watch Fox News, I'm getting their, I watch CNN, we're getting their, but I'd rather have a Christian, if, if somebody's going to tell me, I'd rather them have a Christian point of view. How about you? And if you listen to the news, or at least once in a while, pop your head out of the cloud, and sometimes you want to live in the cloud because it's not good news. You know this world is a mess. Uh, that little uh, thing I blurted out a little bit ago about a six-year-old bringing a gun to school. I mean, it just happened two weeks ago. I said to my wife, six years old, brings a gun to school and shoots his teacher. Six years old. I was just with my six-year-old grandson the other day. Shot me with a water pistol. But bringing a gun to school, aiming it at his, and I don't know if he did this, but aiming at his, as te- and shoots his teacher? Somebody say this, please. Come on, man. And you know what happens? We just change the channel. Doesn't even phase us. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we're like the frog in the pot of water. And all they keep doing is just keep turning up the heat, turning up the heat, turning up the heat, turning up the heat. And we don't realize that all around us, man, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And so God's provided us the necessary equipment to succeed. And we need to remember this. We fight from victory, not for victory. Right? Aren't you glad? And yes, every once in a while, look up here and I'm done. Every once in a while, we get wounded. Isn't that right? But just because you get wounded doesn't mean you're defeated. Right? Do you ever sing the the song? And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Yes, we shall. You never sang that? Yes, we shall wear a crown, and when the battle's over, we shall wear the crown in the new Jerusalem. Wear a crown, wear a crown, wear a bright and shining crown, and when the battle's over, in the new Jerusalem. Battle's not over! Just because you got wounded doesn't mean you're defeated. And just because you get weary, we get weary. Huh? Do you ever just get tired of it? Yeah. Come on now, let's take away all the phylacteries and all the pretense. And there's sometimes you just say, you know what? I, I, I just don't know if I can go to church again today. I just don't know if I want to do good again. I don't want to go bring that lady a meal. I don't want to visit that guy in the hospital. Huh? Right? Bring church to me. Bring me a meal. Come visit me. I'm over it. You say, Pastor, I've never felt like that. God bless you. Maybe you ought to preach next Sunday because I feel like that often. (laughs) You get weary. But you know what Paul said? Be not weary in well-doing, for in season ye shall reap if you faint not. And so you got to keep encouraging yourself. The Word of God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not, even though I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm not going to give in. Why? Because in due season, I'm going to (laughs) reap. If I faint not. I like this about the Lord. He's never overwhelmed and he's never outmatched. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. And so be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Rely upon the Lord to give you staying power. Now here's what I want you to do in closing. In just a moment, I want to ask you to bow with me. We're going to have prayer. And here's what I I want you to try to do. I want you to try to visualize yourself putting on the armor. Right? Pray it on. Lord, right now, you know, I put on the belt of truth. Right now, I put on the breastplate of right. Right now, 
I put on the helmet. Set. Right now, preparation, my feet shot with prayer. Right now, I take my shield. Right now, I got the sword of spear. Right now, I'm praying. Visualize that. Can I give you some personal help? Every morning of my life, I promise you, Ed, my cousin sitting back, every morning of my life, part of my prayer is for me. Because nobody can pray for me like I can pray for me. And I pray this every day of my life, sometimes two times. I pray, Holy Spirit of Almighty God, right now I yield to you my spirit, soul, and body. Every morning, Craig, every morning, I give you my mind right now. Would you please arm it and guard it? And then I go through, I go through the whole thing. I give you my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. I give you this body. I know it's weak. I know it's prone to... Every day, Raji, every morning, I do that every day. You know why? Because I don't want to be a casualty. Anybody can start the race. But I know right in the middle, you hit that wall. I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want people to say, hey, you remember that? Remember that Sal Yanizzi pastored for 37 years, and all of a sudden, one day, he just quit? By the way, look here. Nobody just quits one day. It's a buildup. It's a buildup. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. That individual that quit started making soft choices, and those soft choices became more relevant in their lives. And now they're just going through the motions to the point where they say, you know what? What's the sense of going through the motions? Huh? Run off with a woman, run off with a guy, run off. I don't want that to, Dave, I don't want that to be. I want to finish strong. I really want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I really do. I do. I may not have a great number of crowns or a big, you know, uh, reward base, but I want to hear him say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that doesn't just because you go to church or just because I preach. No, he knows better. Nobody knows me like he knows me. Nobody knows you like you know you. Right? Amen? So in just a moment, we're going to bow together and we're going to visualize putting on the armor of God. And my challenge to you today is this. May this message not only inspire you, but change you. Change you. And the best way for that to change you is to immediately apply this truth in your life. Because if not, it's prone to fall upon deaf ears and fall to the ground. And that's the last thing you want, right? Just another good message? No, man. Take something from it and apply it into your life. Amen, church? When was the last time I told you that I love you? I love you, church. I really do. I love being your pastor. I love you greatly. Thank you for your support and love for us. And together, together, we're going to do something great for God. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.